Last week we started a new sermon series on the book of Haggai, entitled Rebuild My House. And Haggai is, is one of what's called the minor prophets uh, in the Old Testament. And they're not called minor prophets because they are somehow uh, less important or less significant. It's quite simply because the minor prophets, their books are shorter, their prophecies are shorter. And, and this is certainly the case with Haggai. Uh, Haggai is just two, uh, two chapters, but there's so much in these chapters and there's so much that we can learn from and apply today here in 2020. By the way, can I just get an amen to 2020 being possibly the worst year in modern day history? I know uh, many of us will be glad to see the back of 2020. But here in Haggai, um, last week, uh, we began the series by looking at the opening verses of 1 through 11. And last week, I gave a lot of historical context um, uh, behind the book of Haggai, uh, which we don't have time to go over again today. But I do encourage you, if you didn't catch last week's sermon, then go check it out, uh, because that historical context is very important to understanding the book fully. Um, you can listen to the sermon on our website, uh, ccbillricker.org, or you can find us on, face, on our Facebook page, uh, at Community Congregational Church, and there you can actually see the live video as well. But check that out if you haven't had a chance yet. But in a nutshell, what has happened is that the, uh, the Jewish people have been allowed to return from exile. They were exiled by the Babylonians, conquered and, ex uh, and the temple was destroyed, the Jewish temple. Uh, and uh, now the Persians have conquered the Babylonians. They are the next emerging big empire under Cyrus the Great. And Cyrus has issued a decree that allows all the people in captivity to return to their homelands, to rebuild their homelands and their cultures and their uh, systems of worship. And so the Jewish people are allowed to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. And they get off to a, you know, a good start. They get the foundations laid and then it, everything just kind of comes to a halt. Everything is stalled. And instead of focusing on rebuilding the house of the Lord, the temple, instead people are focused on, on just attending to their own houses and their own uh, ways of life. And so the Lord sends Haggai as a prophet, a true prophet of the Lord, to call them out to say, why have you been neglecting my house while you're spending all this time on, on your own houses and your own lives? And the Lord's calling them out saying, my, my house is lying in ruins. You have to rebuild my house. So that's kind of where we come to in Haggai, uh, where we come to today as we look at um, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Now, depending on the type of person you are, for some people, it's very hard to admit that they are wrong about something. We all know people like this. Perhaps you know many people like this. Perhaps you are that person. But, uh, we, you know, we describe that person as maybe uh, stubborn or headstrong or pig-headed. Those are probably some of the kinder words you might call them. But there are always those people who find it very hard to admit they're wrong. And in fact, one of my music teachers in the UK, uh, he wrote a song called The Loneliness of Being Right. And it was actually based on a real-life person he knew who would just all the time would say, Nope, you're wrong. Nope, you're wrong. And constantly thought everybody else was wrong and that he was the only one who was right. And of course, uh, he, he didn't end up being somebody who had many friends. And so here we, we have this song written, The Loneliness of Being Right. What we see here, though, in verse 12 is the exact opposite. The people, and very importantly, the leaders, essentially admit that they were wrong. 
that they have been neglecting the house of the Lord for their own interests. So, you know, Haggai, the Lord through Haggai calls them out. Instead of them getting defensive, they actually turn around, they repent, they admit that they were wrong. And notice that the humility and the obedience to the Lord begins with the leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Listen to verse 12 again. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. So the leaders and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord because they understood that Haggai was a true prophet sent by God. They recognized his anointing. And, you know, as a side note, often true prophets of God are not popular with the people. They're not the kind of people that the, the masses love. And it's because, more often than not, they are challenging and critiquing the culture they are living in. And God often uses his prophets to give his people a wake-up call, to call out the evils and sin in the culture. And often this is, is met with intense hostility and opposition because it's not the fashionable thing to do. It's not fashionable to call out things in our culture that are wrong in the eyes of God when everybody around says, this is great, this is awesome, we think this is cool. A true prophet will often say, actually, no, this is not awesome or cool in the eyes of God. It is sinful and it is disobedient. And this is what Haggai did here. The Lord spoke through Haggai. But the people obeyed the word of God. And as I mentioned, it came from the leadership first, from Zerubbabel and Joshua. They led the way. They paid heed and attention. And the people followed. And they listened to God's word and they obeyed it. Now this brings us to the question of, well, is God still speaking today? Does he, are there still prophets around today? People that God speaks through prophetically. And I would say absolutely not in the sense of it's something that could be added to scripture. No, the canon is closed. But God unquestionably uh, raises up people that he speaks through to challenge the culture that we're living in today and, and, and to bring people back to repentance and obedience to God. And, you know, one of the main vessels the Lord uses to speak prophetically today is the church. True, obedient, faithful churches. And we, the church, are called to be prophetic voices in our present day culture. And in fact, as churches, we are not called to imitate and emulate the culture we live in. We're actually called to transform the culture we live in. And there's a little warning, something to pay heed to there, because if a church seems no different from the culture it lives in, and is indeed affirming much of what the secular world approves of, I would say, watch out. Have your radar, your warning radars up, because the true church of Christ will often challenge the culture it lives in, not affirm it. Francis Schaeffer said this, he said, Tell me what the world is saying today, and I'll tell you what the church will be saying in seven years. And, you know, it, it, that's a sad observation. That's not a, a celebratory observation. That's a sad ob observation that is saying that all too often the church does not lead out with the good news of Jesus Christ, but instead is led by the hand of a culture that has lost its fear of God. Notice at the end there of verse 12, it says, and the people feared God. You know, one of the 
One of the problems with our society today is that to a big degree, we have lost the fear of God. Many people today say they don't even believe in God. But, you know, the fear of God, it doesn't, necessarily, it doesn't mean uh, being terrified and scared of God. It, rather, it means having awe and reverence and respect for God. And uh, yes, today in our culture, we've lost a lot of that. I was, uh, I was watching a segment on a, um, a major uh, news media network. And it was their, one of their very well-known primetime anchors. And he was mocking people of faith. He was mocking prayer uh, by saying, really, you think that your prayer is going to solve uh, the coronavirus? You think that's going to make any difference? No, we, we have to rely on ourselves and not from above. And it was just a, such a summation of, uh, of the secular, almost scoffing attitude that much of the world has today um, towards God, towards the power of prayer. But, you know, we are, we're not called to listen to that kind of nonsense. We are called to rely on God, to pray, to obey his word. And you will see God work powerfully. And that's what we see here in Haggai. The people are obedient to God's word. And look what happens next in verse 13. It says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Four powerful words there. I am with you, declares the Lord. Because they chose to be obedient, they experienced the Lord's presence and his encouragement. And the same goes for us today. When we obey God's word, when we are obedient to what he has called us to, then we will experience his presence and encouragement. It really will happen. And I know that there may be many or some listening right now who are thinking, you know what, I just... I don't feel the Lord's presence in my life. I don't feel his presence and his encouragement. And all I would encourage you to do with this is to go before the Lord with a humble heart and ask, Lord, is there an area in my life where I am not being fully obedient to you? Is there an area that I haven't fully um, surrendered to you? Because often that may be the blockage that is stopping you from feeling God's presence. Uh, he's there. But sometimes we, we blind ourselves to feeling his presence because of areas of disobedience, of sin in our life. So I encourage you to go there with the Lord. And I promise you, if you do that with a humble heart, you will feel his, uh, and experience his presence. But as a church, when we are obedient and faithful to God's word, his presence will be with us and it will be in us and it will be among us. And that's where the true life and the power of a church comes from. It's from the presence of God being in that church, being among that people. You know, having uh, great ministry programs and ministries this and all those kind of things. That, that's wonderful. That's good for a church. But ultimately, if God's presence is not there, is not among his people, then it will all be for nothing. And sadly, there are, there are many churches today that no longer pay heed to God's word. They're no longer obedient to it or they twist it and they distort it or they cherry pick the verses they like. And guess what? God is not with them. His presence, his power is removed. He chooses to remove it, just like when God's glory left the temple in Ezekiel chapter 10. We don't have time to go there right now, but check out Ezekiel 10. It talks about how God's glory departed from the temple because they had been disobedient. They were no longer acknowledging his word. Listen, God will not honor a house with his presence 
when they do not honour his word. Let me say that one more time. God will not honour a house with his presence when they do not honour his word. And that's why actually that most of the churches we see in decline right now are the ones who have abandoned the truth of God's word. That's not a coincidence. That's clearly because they're no longer being obedient to God, that God is removing his presence and his favour from those churches. Now on the flip side, when I think about our church, it's clear that God is blessing our church. We're growing. And I believe that's because as long as we remain a church that stands by and preaches the word of God and shares the gospel, God will be with us. Those words will ring out amongst our church community. God is with us. And you know, we have our annual meeting coming up soon, and so we've been prepare, preparing the annual report, and I've been preparing my uh, annual pastor, my pastor's letter for the report. And I was just looking through uh, some of the things that we've been working on this year um, and uh, looking through some data and figures. It was so encouraging to see the Lord at work. Do you know that our, our average Sunday um, attendance has gone up by 15%? It's so encouraging. And on top of that, our, our church membership has gone up by 25%. Can you believe that? We've added a quarter to our membership. Clearly, the Lord is at work in our church. And I believe it is because we are remaining faithful to him and his word. So when we are obedient to God and his word, we experience the Lord's presence. And finally, when we experience his presence, it leads to God's empowerment. So there's actually, there's a progression here in this passage of Haggai that I don't want you to miss. And it's this, godly obedience leads to God's presence, which leads to God's empowerment. Let me say that one more time. Godly obedience leads to God's presence, which leads to God's empowerment. And that's exactly what we see here in verse 14. It says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. That's a lot of stirring. God's doing a lot of stirring there. And in fact, that word stir up in the Hebrew literally means to wake up. So God is saying to his people, wake up, stop being so lethargic, so lazy and indifferent. And I believe that's a word for us today as the church. God is saying to us as well, wake up, snap out of your indifference, your spiritual laziness and apathy. Rebuild my house, snap out of your self-interest and start looking out for God's interest. I tell you, I, I pray and I hope that one of the good things that comes out of this pandemic we're in right now is that people start to realize that they cannot take for granted being able to come together and gather together and worship in the house of the Lord, in our churches. If nothing else, I pray that that is nailed home to us, that we could, can never take this for granted and that there'll never be another time where we're lying in bed at seven or eight in the morning thinking, oh, I don't know, am I going to, should I get up and go to church today? I don't know, I don't really feel like it. No! We, we have to, we have to uh, get rid of that laziness and instead realize that we are part of God's church and that we are called to be the building and to build and grow the building. And in God's time, God's, uh, sorry, in Haggai's time, God's house was the temple. It was the place where God's presence resided, where God's presence was most uh, palpable or tangible. 
If we skip, skip, skip to today, though, do you know where God's presence is most tangible and most felt today? Well, there's two places. Number one, within the hearts and lives of every believer. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you, know that your, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So as, as believers, as, as people who have, have given their lives to Christ, have accepted him as Lord and Savior, and put their faith in Jesus, we have the living God and his Holy Spirit residing in us. That's the first place. The second place where God's presence is most palpable, most evident, most tangible, is within the church. Think about it. If each one of us is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God resides in each one of us, what do you think happens when we all gather together in the same place? God's presence is magnified, it's intensified, and it's glorified. It's why Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't get in that habit of not meeting together. That's that spiritual lethargy and apathy and indifference that we were just talking about. Don't let that happen. We're called to be living stones of the Lord's house, to build his house, to rebuild what needs rebuilding. And I believe as we come out of this pandemic, and we will, we will, we're going to be rebuilding the church, reimagining the church. It's so exciting. And we will need the Lord's presence and the Lord's empowerment to do that. So when we, when we realize there's, there's two places where God's presence is most tangible today, within the lives um, and hearts of believers and within the church. That means that there are two places that we need to work on building ourselves and his church, the body of Christ. And again, I asked the question I asked last week. What are you doing in your own life and walk with God to build your relationship with him? Do you set specific time aside every day just for him? Are you reading his word regularly, you know, the Bible? If you're not, these are two great places to start. Set aside a specific time for just you and him. And, you know, if it's not something you're used to doing regularly, start off with something manageable, five, ten minutes a day, and let it grow. Let, see how the Lord will honor you in that if you make that daily commitment to it. Read his word. Open that Bible, which you have six copies of sitting in your house. You know, if you want to be obedient to God, so that you experience his presence and his empowerment. Well, you have to obey his word. But then the question is, how do you obey his word if you've never read it? It's so important. You know, through this, we have to understand that the foundations of a spiritually healthy church begin with a spiritually healthy you. So we work on ourselves first so that then we can be a blessing and encouragement to others. So we build ourselves up and then we build the church. How do we do that? Well, first, by taking an active, purposeful and intentional role in the church. As I like to say, participate, don't spectate. Church is not a spectator sport. Get, get in there, get your hands dirty, get part of ministries, volunteer, serve. Remember those famous words of JFK where he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. But what if we translate that to the church by saying, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. You know, we are, we are in this together, folks, in the midst of this pandemic. And even in these difficult times, 
we can work on rebuilding the Lord's house. And if we start with ourselves, and we have more time than normal right now to do that, it will naturally pour out into the church. Don't waste this pandemic. Use it to build yourself up in the Lord. You know, the last thing, bear in mind, it, you know, it will take time. Okay, Rome wasn't built in a day, and usually these things don't happen overnight. And listen to the end of verse 14 and 15. It says, They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. So that was actually about three weeks after Haggai's original word to them that we read about last week. Remember, last week we were able to date to August 29th, 520 BC. And this prophecy now that he gives would have been September 21st, 520 BC. So it was about three weeks. It took them about three weeks to get going, to take action. But ultimately, they did. And what was most important was that they were obedient. So what we've seen in this passage from Haggai today, and what we can learn is that God called out his people for neglecting to focus on him and neglecting to build his house. But they responded And they were obedient to the word of God. And so they experienced his presence, which in turn led to God empowering them to do mighty work, that rebuilding of his house, of the temple. We have the same calling, folks. We have the same calling because we are the people of God. And so remember this, godly obedience leads to God's presence, which leads to God's empowerment. Let us pray. Father, We thank you so much that uh, when we pay heed to you, when we listen to you, when we obey you, Lord, then we experience you in greater and greater measure, and that you empower us through your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray this week, Lord, that um, for those who are feeling a little bit dead in their faith right now or feeling in a bit of a rut, Lord, I pray that you speak to their hearts about areas in their life where perhaps they have not Uh, been fully obedient, Lord. We know that you don't uh, uh, condemn, Lord. You convict our hearts so that we can uh, have a closer and more intimate relationship with you. So I pray, Lord, that uh, people would start really experiencing your presence this week, that they would feel the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that most importantly, they would uh, be obedient uh, to you. We praise you, Lord. I thank you for what you are doing in our church, how you are working so powerfully in and through the lives of this church. And I pray that you would continue to bless us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord.